Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode, another brilliant opportunity. I say that because, oh, because of my company, who I am going to be able to keep company with during this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness Warrior Collective. We are so grateful to have you tuning in, listening, and excited to amplify the wellness warrior within you. And today, my guest is none other than Dr. Tim Teal. I had the great pleasure of meeting him. We were both at a signature talk where we were learning how to bring our stories forward because as you are going to hear, his story is profound. He has been in the medical model as a doctor for many years. I'm going to let him tell you more about that. And he has moved his practice because he believes so wholeheartedly in our holistic and healing capabilities. And so that is now his mission. And that is how he is changing the world, how he is saving lives, how he is making an incredible impact. And when I stood up and told a bit of my story, he came over and said, I am meant to meet you. And I immediately felt that connection too. I knew our community would be better by meeting him and being able to learn and glean wisdom from his experience and all that he has been able to accomplish both medically and in this holistic realm. And so Dr. Tim Teal, thank you so much for coming to the Wellness Warrior Collective podcast. I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about you so that they come to know you because we have a couple of episodes planned and we're going to be able to address this uh, holistic and healing mode, all of the holistic and healing modalities. Well, we may not cover all of them, <laughs> but we're going to attack more of them systematically as we bring forth real hope for healing to humanity. So please, by all means, introduce yourself. And again, thank you for coming. Oh, Lindsay, I thank you so much for uh, for uh, just let me be a part of, uh, of what it is that you do. And you're exactly right. When I heard you talk at that uh, at that conference, I'm like, that chick I got to talk to. Uh, and uh, it was so, I mean, it, it, it was so vividly obvious, like, listen, we, we got to have a conversation. And, uh, and uh, I heard you talk, you heard me talk. We're like, oh, yeah, we got to sit down and chat some more. We grabbed lunch. We actually grabbed lunch. We were like, lunch we date tomorrow. It was a lunch for everybody, by the way. We all were eating together. But Tim and I were like, we're sitting by each other so we can yep. brainstorm. <laughs> But uh, no, I I spent 20 years in medicine. I uh, I uh, went to medical school uh, actually later in life, and um, uh, I, mostly because I wanted to uh, to learn more about uh, my own body and my own healing. And uh, and I had a really weird experience when I was a kid. Um, I was eight years old. I used to uh, used to sit on my uh, on my uh, parents' uh, living room floor, and uh, we had uh, I think it was a 1968 set of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. They were big green and white ones. I used to sit there and uh, and uh, and and page through them hours at a time. And they had the you know, they had the plastic pages that you know, that one system was laid on top of another and on top of another, the bones and the muscles and the vessels and you know, nerves and all the rest of the stuff. And my parents will say, I wore that stupid thing out you know, looking at that. And one day, you know, it was around Christmas time, you know, we were in the process of, you know, of doing some you know, remodeling on my parents' you know, house. And there was a chimney cap. It was a steel chimney cap that was sitting in front of the, you know, the two of us. And my sister and I were uh, were you know, looking at a, a Sears catalog, looking at toys and stuff. And she turned the page, and uh, and I uh, I reached across that uh, that book because I didn't want her to uh, to turn the page. And I drug my hand across that uh, one of the uh, one of the steel fins and on that uh, on that chimney cap, and it tore my thing almost tore my finger completely off. Okay, and. It was so weird because I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my finger and I still got the scar. I, I'm looking at my finger and the first thing that uh, that crossed my mind was, 
gee, I hope I can still operate. I'm like, where the heck did that come from? I'm eight years old for crying out loud. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. And I'm like, that was my first experience of saying this life isn't exactly what we're, you know, what, what we think it is. I mean, it really isn't. And, uh, and, you know, here a 20 some odd years later, I find myself you know, going to medical school because I was still fascinated. You know, you know I, I was at a point in my life you know, back then that, you know, they said, listen, you, know, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. You're frustrated. Follow your passion. And, you know, and one of the things that I've always been passionate my whole life was trying to understand these bodies. And I, you know, I suffered with all kinds of crap you know, with, you know, with my health that my family didn't suffer with. I, you know, I, I, they were treating me for migraines when I was in second grade, second grade for crying out loud. Um, me too. Into, me too. Right, after <laughs> medical school, I realized how close I was to losing my colon to uh, to inflammatory bowel disease, and uh, I'm like, "Holy crap! I was sick, man. I was sick." And uh, and when I was 23 years old, I uh, I got turned on to uh, a, a book called Fit for Life. Uh, you know, people maybe uh, have heard of it. Changed my life completely. I mean, completely changed my life. Didn't solve all the headache problems, but they got better. Solved a lot of gut problems for me. And I'm like, man, I can, this is really cool. I got to learn some more about this. I wound up in, uh, in uh, DO school, osteopathic medicine, because it, uh, it really appealed to me that uh, the philosophy of osteopathic medicine was that a body's uh, natural tendency is toward good health. And, uh, and it's our job as physicians to remove some of those barriers. Well, that was the philosophy from, you know, from the 1880s, okay? And in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the DOs figured out, oh, well, that really doesn't pay the bills. So it's time for us to start writing more prescriptions and learning how to do surgeries and all the rest of that stuff. So so the character of of what I bought into was not exactly what what I got. And and as I got out of, of medical school and residency and all the rest of that stuff, I found out it was all there's a lot of problems that we uh, are tasked with, uh, with attempting to solve that medicine, you know, the, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals that we throw at these things, it kind of hurt, helps, uh, kind of gets things a little bit better, but it doesn't completely solve the problem. And, uh, and the, the problem that, uh, that walked in my door, I was an ear, nose and throat physician, I'm a board certified ear, nose and throat guy. 50% of the new patients that I saw adult uh, new patients they had the same complaint over and over and over again. Doc, I feel like I got something stuck in my throat. I got a cough that won't go away. I'm scared to death I got cancer. I don't know what's going on. Nobody, you know, everybody's throwing all kinds of pills at me and nothing goes, you know, nothing, nothing seems to work. And I saw these patients for years. And, you know, you know, we always treat them for reflux and give them pills. And sometimes it works. And most of the time it didn't. And I'm like, there's got to be a better solution out there. And, um, and so I started reading some more and, most of it wasn't in medicine. It was mostly you know, people outside of medicine that were you know, that were saying, "Hey, listen, <clears throat> there's a lot of foods out there that just irritate the fire out of our immune system." And uh, and so I started taking some of those things away from my patients and saying, "Listen, everything else hasn't worked, so let's try this." And most of them were like, uh, "But I like my soda pop," <laughs> and I like my, you know, and I'm like, listen, it's not forever. Just do it for a month and see how it goes. And uh, and boom, all of a sudden, we started having all kinds of success. Um, just pulling these different uh, these different food products away from people, and then uh, and then I tell them, once we got the problem solved, I tell them go back and do it again. And boom, immediately the problems would come right back. I'm like, 
holy crap, they didn't teach me any of this stuff in medical school. And, um, and not only that, but some of the medicines that, uh, that we use cause some really terrible reactions. I mean, I, I was diagnosing Steven Johnson reactions all over the place. Um, because I was thinking outside the box and saying, hey, listen, this, some, some else isn't right. I mean, I, I had people coming to me from all over the place saying, you, you're getting a reputation out there for being the, uh, for being the uh, uh, kind of the investigator that kind of figures things out. And sure enough, we were finding if, if you keep digging and digging and digging, oh, uh, there's about four different medications here that, uh, that will cause these kinds of reactions. We start pulling them away, boom, problems go away. They start taking the medicines again, boom, it comes right back. Is that bench uh, research? No, it's it's just common sense for crying out loud. And uh, what happened? And then it happened to me because because uh, I'm I'm a cheese guy, man. Uh, it was like oh, Tim. No, Tim, I have to. I want to say this because people know this about me in our community, and I want you to hear it out of my mouth because it's literally what I used to say. I used to say, "I will give up my cheese when I go to God." Swear, exactly. I swear, I was that I, married to it. I was that married to it. I love cheese so much. I married a girl named Bree, named one of my kids Jack, and the other one came within a frog hair being named Colby. You think I? Love- <laughs> I am not kidding. I, I love cheese. I believe it. Then it freaking happened to me, and uh, and I'm like, I got a cough that won't go away. I got to feel like I got something stuck in my throat all the time. I'm like, crap. Oh, I'm gonna have to take my own dadgum medicine here, and I uh, and I gave up the cheese. I was eating cheese two or three times a day. I mean, I love it. It is great product. Tastes wonderful. The cough went away and a tickle in my throat went away. And I'm like, oh. And so I started eating again just to see what would happen. Came right back. I'm like, crap. I can't live like this. So I gave it up. I mean, I just flat gave it up. Well, over the next six months, I lost like 30 pounds without trying. And the, you know, the colds that I was getting about every three weeks, I figured it was just because of what I'm doing. I mean, I'm up in people's faces all the time. They're coughing and sneezing and hacking in my face. I'm like, yeah, it's just part of the job. No, it wasn't part of the job. I went a year without having a cold from going to, from every three weeks to once a year. I went a year. Well, I go to digging again and, uh, and come to find out there's, uh, there are some proteins in milk that cause secretory IgA, which is uh, the immunoglobulins that we have in our uh, in our mucous membranes, our ears, our nose, our throat, our uh, general urinary tract, or GI tract. <clears throat> it causes these uh, that that particular protein is called ApoA1. Uh, it uh, it causes those uh, immunoglobulins to stick together and coagulate, and they don't work. Well, we've known for years that uh, that little kids that we you know we take tonsils out of and their parents give them a whole bunch of ice cream and all the rest of that stuff their uh, their mucus gets really their saliva gets really really thick and hard to handle and uh, now we know why it was our freaking secretory IgA that was protecting them from disease that was getting all stuck together and it doesn't freaking work so we you, know, you take that away and boom all of a sudden uh, these uh, these kids stop getting sick I mean, I had, uh, and so I started teaching my uh, my pediatric patients or the families actually. Uh, you know, these people would come to me and say, "Hey, uh, you know, this kid needs a set of tubes. He's got uh, ear infections that don't quit. The ears are full of goo. He can't hear. He's not doing well in school. Kid needs a set of tubes." I'm like, I sign him up for a set of tubes, and then uh, four days later, these people call me back and they say, "Uh, we can't do this." I'm like, "What do you mean we can't do this?" They said the hospital wants twenty thousand dollars. On top of you know, the, the paltry amount of uh, of money that my insurance will pay, 
then people with good insurance were having to pay five grand. And then the, you know, the hospital was billing your insurance another $20,000. Do you know how much I get paid to do that procedure? How much? Do you have any idea? No. 150 bucks. $150. That's, no, that's, the, no, that's the payment these days. I'm like, okay, well, since they don't pay me to do that, let's try something different. Let's just, you know, let's lose the soda pop. Let's lose the, lose the dairy products and see what happens. These people, I, this happened to me I, I, probably like six times. People would schedule an appointment to come back in and shake my hand and say, Doc, you changed our lives. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, we don't need you anymore. I said, you solved the freaking problem. And this happened over and over. People paid money at the front desk to come back and shake my hand and say, thanks, dude. I'm like, what? They <laughs> teach me this crap in medical school. But it gets better. It gets even better because uh, I did it. Uh, did this with my adult patients. And, uh, and the ones that had autoimmune disease came back and they're like, I'm doing better. And the ones with rheumatoid arthritis said, my joints aren't hurting this bad. And, uh, and I had one guy came back in, uh, you know, he was a, he was a reflux patient. He was a typical globus patient that, uh, that, um, was, uh, it had all kinds of medication thrown at him. Nothing worked. And I, uh, I find my ass, I scoped his throat and I, uh, and, uh, you know, my standard move was to, you know, was to take my scope and just touch the, you know, the top of their esophagus. Okay. We, you know, we put the scope through their nose, bend it, look it down their throat. It sounds horrible. It's really no big deal. Okay. But, you know, but I would take, you know, look around and say, everything's fine. What about it when I touch you right there? And they go, ah, oh, that's it. What is that? Like it's nothing but your, the top of your esophagus and it's really ticked off. And, uh, and every single time I did that, I'd say, listen, there's four things that, you know, that cause this problem. Some coming up, some going down, it's cancer or you know, it's something that you're eating that your body's having a response to. And I said, that fourth category is where we see most of the, you know, most of the, you know, the results, but it, it, it's not always the same thing. Sometimes it's chocolate. Sometimes it's milk. Sometimes it's peppermint. Sometimes it's uh, it's dairy products. Sometimes it's soybean oil. Sometimes it's wheat. Sometimes it's corn. Sometimes it's rice. But there's uh, there's categories of uh, of things that we would find when we would pull those away. They got better, and I'd say, okay, now add it back in. Boom, they do it. They get worse. I'm like, ah, everybody understands now. But the side effects that were also happening was my patients were losing weight. And I had one guy in particular that, uh, that came to me. He had the same problem. I, you know, I asked him, I said, how much cheese, milk, yogurt, ice cream are you, are you eating? He's like, that, that's all I eat, doc. I'm like, oh, you, we got a problem here. No, but I said, if you're willing to, uh, to play ball, then, uh, then just go home and quit. Just find something else to, uh, to eat for a while. He comes back two months later. I don't even recognize the guy. Okay, don't even reckon it. He lost 60 pounds without doing anything but just pulling the dairy out of his diet. Okay, I'm like, what? That's crazy. And then we started seeing the whole thing over and over and over again, and especially patients with, you know, with autoimmune disease. Their, you know, their autoimmune disease became a whole lot easier to manage. Uh, people with, you know, with joint pain, their, you know, their, their joints cleared up. Um, had one lady... You know, it was amazing what happened to her. She, uh, she was a globus patient. She had some other uh, emotional issues as well, but she came back to see me after two months. I, I've been seeing her for like six months. I finally got her convinced. Listen, you got to get off the dairy products and you got to get off the soda pop. She came back to see me two months later. She was gorgeous. I'm like, are you, are you the same? Her skin 
completely changed, cleared up. She was beautiful. I'm like, this is nuts. So I have a question for you really quick. So is this like, and I really want to call it in because I know we've got a lot of mamas that tune in too. So when people are hearing tubes in the ears, chronic ear infections, they're hearing, you know, autoimmune maybe for themselves or something their children or someone they know has been diagnosed with. Would you say that the biggest, one of the biggest things someone could do for themselves immediately would be to ditch the dairy? I know you are adding soda pop in too. Are those your top two? And what? Unquestionable. Okay. Unquestionably. You know, when, when you, when I would sit down and talk to these, these sick kids or their, their mothers, you know, I, I would really ask them all the time. I'm like, how much cheese, milk, yogurt, ice cream? Well, that's all the kid eats. Well, there's the problem. Well, I can't get them to eat anything else. Well, <clears throat> herein lies the issue. You know, we're up against a paradigm problem, okay? For years and years and years now, we've all been told by, you know, by the biggest authorities on the planet, you need milk or your bones are going to fall apart. Are you kidding me? There's 5,500 species of mammals on the planet, 5,500 of them, and there's only one, only one that continues to drink another animal's milk outside of infancy, and that's us. And, and if you look back historically, we've only been doing that for about 400 years, okay? No, because before that, everybody knew milk is, is survival food for a baby, and we don't have any way to store it, refrigerate it, any of the rest of that stuff. So, so on, on the evolutionary scale, for as long as human beings have been on the planet, our milk consumption is like, well, we just started doing that yesterday, okay? Because if, if we've been here for 100,000 years, 500,000 years, a million years, 2 million, 4 million years, you know, the, the amount of time that we've been drinking another animal's milk is just minuscule. And, and what I've come to the conclusion of, you know, when you look at, at baby animals that are drinking milk, are they skinny or are they fat? Yeah, babies are, they're fat on purpose. They're fat. What happens when their mother? When they when you pull that pull that milk out of out of their diet, what happens to those baby those puppies those kittens the the cows the sheep? What happens to them? Do they do they gain weight or they lose weight? Well, I, when you pull it away, they're going to all start to lean out. Exactly right. So, what do you think is going on? Well, you know, I know what's going on. So, for our audiences, we for the entire audience that's listening, I, like we can all invite this in because. Tell us what is going on. It has nothing to do with the sugar and the fat that's in that product. What it is, is the, you know, the milk proteins incite an inflammatory response in our bodies that says store, and that inflammatory response says you know, to store that energy as fat, okay? When we store that energy as fat, it becomes a survival mechanism and helps us to, you know, to survive, even though like Bambi's mom gets whacked, okay? If Bambi's got a little bit of fat on him, he survives longer. He can find something else to eat. And once those you know, those baby mammals can find something else to eat, they don't need the milk anymore. Okay, we don't need the milk anymore. We don't. You know, we certainly do not need to be you know, to be irritated. And what I you know, the conclusion that I came to in in my practice is that obesity and so many of these other chronic diseases that we have are not inflammatory conditions. They're the result of a, an inflammatory uh, condition that is incited by two things and two things that, you know, that Western medicine doesn't even like to talk about. And one of them is food and the other is, uh, is toxic emotions. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 especially in, eventually we'll talk about autoimmune disease. We don't even like to talk about any of that stuff <laughs> in Western medicine. 
that's a part of who we are. You yeah. know, the food we and the thoughts we think are so much more powerful than we have ever imagined. And uh, and we're we're Western medicine to uh, to address that stuff. Ninety percent of the problems that ninety percent of the problems that we get paid to manage in Western medicine wouldn't even exist. Okay. Here's what's really disturbing about it all. In 2000, and, I think it was 2004, I was sitting in medical school. Uh, the guy that taught me pathology, he's a freaking genius, by the way. He's a, uh, an incredible teacher and taught me so much about you know, the human psyche and how we learn. But he admitted in 2004 uh, that, uh, that we know that, uh, that uh, you know, heart disease is a reversible uh, condition. Even advanced heart disease is a reversible condition. He said the, uh, the guy that, uh, that, uh, that did that research proved it beyond any reasonable doubt. But he said, nobody's going to eat like that. Nobody's going to eat like that. Well, they certainly won't if we don't tell them about it, will they? <laughs> and that's what we're here to do, right? <laughs> Western medicine, guilty but of the sin of omission. If you don't teach people about all this stuff, then uh, then they most certainly will not. As long as you remain the you know, the standard of care and uh, and you remain the uh, you know the voice of uh, of uh, of what's reasonable. Listen, you know, what I learned in in medicine is that number one, it's a seventeen trillion dollar business. Okay, seventeen trillion dollars, and if you say or do anything. And I mean anything that threatens anybody's profits in there, guess what? They'll kick your ass out and you can starve to death, okay? And I know because I was uh, I was blacklisted in at least five states, and I think maybe six, I'm not sure, uh, for uh, for addressing patient safety issues in the state of Oklahoma, okay? And, uh, and I mean, I got fired and could not find a job in the state of Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Kansas, uh, Arkansas and Southwest Missouri. Now I had to uh, eventually wound up in private practice in Texas, but no, uh, but the problem is in, uh, in private practice, number one, they don't pay us you know, where the flip anymore. And number two, if you become the guy who starts solving problems that other people are being paid to manage, you become really unpopular with your practice group. And I was, and that's exactly what happened. I finally said, you know what? Back with us. I'm going to go teach what I know, what I know in my heart of hearts, what no, what I am responsible for at the end of my life is telling the dadgum truth. And the dadgum truth about it is 90% of the problems that we manage in healthcare are 100% resolvable, preventable. We don't need to, we don't need to throw drugs at all this crap. That was, that was, that was 20th century. 20th century moved us forward. 21st century is what exactly what you're doing on this website and in lots and lots of other places just like it. The, the real, the real advancement in medicine is not happening in medicine. They are addicted to the money. Okay. And the money (laughs) is what keeps us there. Does that mean that everything in Western medicine is no good? No, no, that, that's, that's not true at all. We do trauma. We kick ass at trauma, man. And the only reason we kick ass at trauma is because we've been waging incredible wars for the last hundred years on all kinds of people doing all kinds of incredible damage to people. Now we know how to, uh, how to put them back together and we can do an amazing job of it. This is not to our credit. All right. No, but, but we're really good at it. Okay, you got a broken bone. Yeah, you need a doctor. You know, you, you got a bullet. You got a stab wound. Whatever. Yeah, we shouldn't stop and meditate. Although that's not going to hurt you, but that's not going to be the solution. Right. The solution is out. Stop the bleeding. Okay, ninety percent of the problems. Of ninety percent of the problems that we work on in medicine, that no, that we're just these are chronic diseases. Yeah, they're chronic because of the choices that we make.
And, uh, and it's our job. It's your job. It's my job to start teaching people not only uh, to make different choices, but how to use our hearts and our minds to control these fantastic bodies of ours. And we got a heck of a lot more control over them than we have ever dreamed possible. And that's what you teach every dadgum day. It's what I teach too. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk some more. I love it. I love it. You guys. Okay. A couple, and you're going to see key takeaways too. Dr. Tim Teal, thank you, thank you. We heard about the medical model, how that this has moved because he was healing people, how it has moved him into a holistic healthcare practice where he is now part of the healing. We got to hear about ditching the dairy and the importance and how that is so inflammatory. Our next episode that we're gonna be discussing, so stay tuned because we are coming up with another episode about autoimmune with Dr. Teal because healing is what we know we're capable of doing. And that's what we're here to do with the Wellness Warrior Collective. So Dr. Tim Teal, thank you, thank you. And we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. And for all of you listeners, stay tuned. We've got lots of beautiful things continuing to come up with every episode. Make sure if you have not already joined our Facebook group, we would love to have you, wellnesswarriorcommunity.com. Join the Facebook group. You'll be able to have access to more of our healing modalities, the resources that we find, and the exceptional humans that have joined that community where we are able to more thoroughly discuss all of these opportunities. Also, make sure you're joining into our live conversations. We have seven live conversations that are scheduled weekly. We would love to have you every single Wednesday. Wednesday, lock in the time on your calendar. Wellness Wednesday, it's a lunch and learn. It happens at noon Eastern Standard Time. We do a different rotating topic every single week. We would love for you to come take part, to contribute, whatever that may be. Ask questions to those that are speaking on stage, whether it be in the chat or with your beautiful voice. And so with that, we are going to end this episode with a deep amount of gratitude to both Dr. Tim Teal for bringing his incredible wisdom and for you for tuning in and choosing this kind of program to continue to amplify the wellness warrior within you. Until next time, wellness warriors, we're excited to sit alongside of you. Let's keep going.